Welcome to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter. I am glad that you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. It's Friday. I love Fridays. And we're on a series about prayer, which I think is just going to be fantastic. I'm learning a lot. You're going to learn a lot. We're going to get closer to our Heavenly Father, closer to Jesus through this whole idea of prayer. But yet, and yet, is there anything more confusing or vague and ambiguous about our prayer life. So we started last week on our first lesson on that, our first show. We're going to be right back on it this week. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let me first remind you that 721 Live is the radio arm of 721 Ministries. Just go to our website, 721ministries.org, 721ministries.org. We've got past radio shows there. You can pick up last week's show. We've got a Vimeo channel. You can see the videos on that. We've got charts. We have a, we have a lot of assets, a lot of things that you can take advantage of at 721ministries.org. We've got a link on that to our sister website, which you can go to directly, puttinggreenblog.com, puttinggreenblog.com. On that website, we, you can sign up for our weekly Putting Green devotionals, free of charge, of course. And then we've got our books on that website. So check those two out to find out more about what we're doing and to pick up on last week's show. Because we're talking about prayer. And whenever I sit in a room with a group and I ask how many people in the room are very comfortable and very confident in their prayer lives, I rarely get any hands going up. And I don't think that that's because they don't want to seem braggadocious or showing off in front of others. We really, and I, I'm you listening today, I'm sure you have questions, you have doubts, you have concerns, you have worries. And so we're going to approach that. We're going to tackle all of those questions. I, I, I've accumulated about 20 questions, and they pretty much all center around, am I doing it right? Now, most of the time, the am I doing it right question is implying to get what I'm asking for. Rarely is the question, am I doing it right, to honor my Heavenly Father, to please my Heavenly Father, to get closer to my Heavenly Father, and admit it. Because I would admit that, except for a few years ago, I've started to really be woken up to the fact that I, I don't want my prayers to be about me getting what I want because I don't know what I want. So here's what I've done with the men's meetings in the last two weeks. I went to an AA meeting recently with a friend. I'm not an AA person, but I love AA meetings. And I go from time to time with men that are going for the first time or want me to go with them to their meeting, and, and I love AA meetings. I, I, I truly believe that's what the first century church looked like. And if you're in an AA meeting and you're going to say something, you say, hi, I'm Sam, and what comes next? I'm an alcoholic. So I asked the men in the various groups, I said, here's what we're going to do every now and then, just to remind us of who we are. When you, I want you to introduce yourself and then say, hi, I'm Sam, I'm a sinner, and quite frankly, I'm an idiot. And we do that, and we go around the room, and I said, now, it would really be nice if we all truly absorbed that and received that, because I am a sinner, and I am an idiot. I mean, I'm, I'm not an idiot, but when it comes to knowing what's best, compared to my Heavenly Father, I'm an idiot. So... We're going to tackle all these ideas. We're going to ask and answer questions about prayer. I started off last week, well, let me say it a different way. I finished last week giving us a story of the royal official. This is John 4, starting at verse 49. The royal official comes to Jesus and said, My son is dying. Please come 
help him. Come back to Capernaum and heal my son. In verse 50, Jesus replied, go, your son will live. Now, what happens next is a stunner to me. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. If I'm the man, I would say, wait a minute, aren't you coming with me? Or if you're not coming with me, tell me what I need to do when I get back. Do I need to lay hands? Do I need to get 450 people praying? Do we need to put oil? Is there something I need to do to get this, to be sure this happens? But the man took Jesus at his word and departed. I think the Holy Spirit inspired John to write that for our benefit. Because let's just do that. Let's just take Jesus at his word and depart all of our questions. Let's just take Jesus at his word and abandon the outcome to our Heavenly Father. So along that line, I've got this little saying that I have, and it goes like this. Prayer is not opposed to asking. It is opposed to assuming. Prayer is not opposed to asking. It is opposed to assuming. Assuming what? Assuming I know the right answer. It's not, assume, it's not opposed to assuming that my Heavenly Father is paying attention and listening and responding. We're promised that. I'm going to believe. I'm going to take Jesus at his word on that. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives an answer. Everyone who asks receives a response. But I don't want to assume I know what the best response is. So one of the questions comes up all the time. Why pray if God has it already planned out? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in John 17, 3, his last night with the disciples, his high, beginning of his high priestly prayer. He says, now I want all of my, these that you've given me to have eternal life. And he says, now this is eternal life, colon. Here comes the definition. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is living heaven on earth now. The more we know our Heavenly Father. The closer we get to Jesus, the deeper we're going into the kingdom. And the more we're going to live that life that is truly life by knowing our Heavenly Father and knowing Jesus. And that's, how, that's what prayer is all about. It's not really about asking for things. It's getting to know God, getting to know Jesus. And what I found is the closer I get, the more I trust him. That changes my life. That changes my life radically. And the closer I get to my Heavenly Father and the closer I get to Jesus, the percentage of my prayers that is about me goes down and the percentage of my prayer about him goes up. The percentage of my prayer about Sam almost diminishes to nothing and the percentage of my prayer that goes to him, not others, to him increases and increases. And a great way for that to happen is this acronym ACTS. And we talked about this. We finished this, the show last week with ACTS, A-C-T-S. I want to be very clear. I'm not giving you a formula. This is not a formula for prayer. It's more of a heart orientation. A-C-T-S. I'm getting my heart oriented towards my Heavenly Father, who He is, my, my, my Lord and Savior and my best friend Jesus. A-C-T-S, A for adoration. Just as Jesus gave us in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, honor be to your name. If I spent some time just adoring my Heavenly Father, just praising Him for who He is, before I moved on to anything else, my, already my heart perspective is being shifted. 
Confession, A-C-T-S, confession. Confession means to agree with. And what am I agreeing with to my Heavenly Father? That I'm a sinner and I'm an idiot. That I don't bring anything to the table. That I'm not, I, I don't want to be on the management committee and he needs me to give him a bunch of information and to make sure he understands what the best result is. No, I'm getting, by confessing, by agreeing with him, I'm getting me out of the way. And then Thanksgiving. Thanks, all of these three, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, before we ever get to supplication, which is asking for things. Again, this isn't a formula. This is a heart orientation. Imagine what happens to the list, to the time in my supplication part of prayer, my asking for things. If I've spent a lot of time in adoration, I've, I've done my confession, and then I've spent an enormous time in thanksgiving. What happens to the list in my supplication? Well, it, it obviously is going to go down. It's, it might even disappear. You might even get to the point where you say, you know, my Heavenly Father, just as Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, he knows what you need before you ask him. So why don't I just spend more time in adoration, get the confession out of the way, and then thanksgiving. And Jesus gave us the model for this. See, this it acts as a, as a good acronym. It wouldn't have gone very well if it were A-C-S-T, but if most of us put the thanksgiving after the list of things we're asking for. And quite frankly, we put the thanksgiving after we've gotten what we were asking for. Is that not true? Is that not you? That's not how Jesus does it. In the feeding of the 5,000, which is one of those few things that's in all four Gospels, they all four present it the same way. Let me read from Matthew 14 at verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave thanks before the miracle. Now, I do want to point out that he was looking up to heaven. Because we get these questions, and one of the questions is posture. Should I be on my knees? Do my prayers not count if I'm just walking along talking? Should I be on my knees? Do I need to have my eyes closed? Do I need to have my head down? Do I need to take my hat off? Jesus, more often than not, looks up to heaven with his eyes wide open. Now, I love praying on my knees, and I love praying with my eyes closed but, and my head bowed, but that's not how Jesus did it the majority of the time. So don't get stuck in that. You can, do, you can pray to your Heavenly Father anytime. Jesus, looking up, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. We can read that in Mark. We can read it in Luke. But in John, there's a really interesting addition to this. So here we are at John 6, verse 11. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. Okay. What happens next in John is Jesus retreats to do some praying and seclusion. The disciples get in a boat, and they get out on the lake. I don't know why they leave without Jesus, but they do. And Jesus comes walking up on the water. And then we pick it up in John 6, 22. And the statement that follows in 23, verse 23, is, is a showstopper. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. Listen, 6, 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Verse 23, Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread. Now listen to what comes next. 
after the Lord had given thanks. Now, why would John let that be a location identifier where, God, where the Lord had given thanks? Wouldn't he say after they'd eaten the bread that the Lord had multiplied from five loaves and two fish? Wouldn't that be the identifier, the locating identifier? Wouldn't that be what you would say? Why would John identify the location as after the Lord had given thanks? I don't know. I don't have an answer. But I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit wanted John to put that in there. And I think we can, as we start to see the fullness of Scripture, we start to see why ACTS, Acts, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, before supplication, is the model of Jesus. Let's go to John 11. This is raising Lazarus from the dead. Listen to Jesus' words at verse four, verses 41 and 42. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Before he brings Lazarus out, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus, in all of these situations, is thanking his heavenly Father before he answers the prayer. And I think that's the model for us to follow. And what has revolutionized my prayer life, or excuse me, what has revolutionized my entire life has been this approach that I've adopted over the last few years. Thank you now, Father, before I see how you work this out, because I know I'll be thanking you later. Thank you now, Father, before I see how you work this out. This is what Jesus does. Thank you now before I see you do this miracle with the loaves and the fish. Thank you now before you raise Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to thank you beforehand because I know I'm going to be thanking you afterwards. Now, listen, really, I want you to hear this. I want you to try that. Most of your situations when you're praying are not critical. So it shouldn't, and it's true. Yes, there are critical situations, life or death situations, but most of the time that's not. So try it on the easy things first. Things that do cause some anxiety, but are not life or death. And just say, I'm going to thank you now. I don't feel comfortable doing this, but I'm going to do it. Because if I really look back over my life, I know I've always thanked you later. As you do this, then when something really critical hits, and it's no fun at thanking him before you see how he works it out because it's such an important, critical, anxiety-producing, fear-producing possibility in your life, life or death, sickness, illness, divorce, whatever it is, money gone, business crashing, you'll be more able to say, I'm going to thank you now. And then the anxiety level dissipates because you're reminded of all he's done for you in the past. So that's following Jesus' model of thanking before the miracle, thanking before the answer. And I want you to adopt that because Jesus did that. So you try that. Now, the next thing is one of my main goals is to instill in you confidence and comfort as you approach your Heavenly Father, as you approach Jesus in prayer. I pray to my Heavenly Father. I pray to Jesus. 
I usually feel like I'm talking to the Holy Spirit, as in I need, I want you to give me energy on this, give me clarity, give me creativity on these lessons I'm working on or on this radio show or the videos. Or I want you to be with me. I want you to go out into the hearts of the men uh, that I'm speaking to. I, I tend to talk to, my, to, to the Holy Spirit that way. I tend to go to my Heavenly Father as a child, and I tend to go to Jesus as my best friend and my Lord and Savior. But we can do that with confidence, and we can do it with comfort, a comfortable confidence. Because in Hebrews 4, we read, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we pro profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we have, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'm just going to take the Holy Spirit's promise and assurance at his word that I can approach the throne of grace with confidence because, not because I'm bringing anything, because I'm a, I'm a sinner and an idiot, but because I've been saved. Now, just for the fun of it, let's take a minute and look what that throne of grace looks like. I'm going to read from Revelation 1. And just to give you an idea of the throne of grace that you can walk up to in confidence and comfort. At once I was in the Spirit, John writes, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. That's a, that's a big, old, scary, impressive throne of grace. I don't, I don't know how I could possibly imagine myself approaching that throne with confidence. But we are, we are told that we can. It, go, it goes even more. Let's go to Revelation 5, 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million, by the way. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And you and I can walk up to that throne with confidence. I want to eliminate all your anxiety about prayer. I want to eliminate your discomfort, your lack of confidence, your, your uh, doubt, and your worry about whether you're doing it right or whether you're, whether you're saying the right things or you have the right posture. You can walk right up to that throne. But now, how would you walk up to that throne? Would you strut up to that throne? Would you walk up with your shoulders pulled back and your head held high with, with the confidence that, let me change that, with the self-confidence? I think the only way you approach that throne with confidence is out like a child, which Jesus tells us. Matthew 19, 14. 
when they try to shoo the little children away. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. You approach the throne of grace like a child. And that has been the other thing that has revolutionized my prayer life. First, thanking you before I see how you work this out, because I know I'll be thanking you later. And then next, imagining myself as a child, as a little boy, as I approach my Heavenly Father. I want you to try that. I'm going to talk more about that next week. I want to continue on with why we can be confident and comfortable. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We have an advocate with the Father, and it's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. It's a neat little story back in the Old Testament which, which illustrates exactly what we're seeing there. Zechariah 3, 1. Zechariah is the next to the last book in the Old Testament. It's right next to Malachi. And in chapter 3, verse 1, Zechariah writes, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. I imagine that's true. I imagine that's why, we, why, we call, why Satan got the name accuser. But we have an advocate, you see. So we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Joshua is brought before the throne. Satan is accusing him. Verse 2, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Israel, Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? So there's Joshua, a burning stick snatched from the fire. There's Sam. Here's Sam, a burning stick snatched from the fires of hell. I was on the highway to hell. Nobody had told me otherwise. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus moved into my life. But I, as I picture myself standing before my Heavenly Father on that throne of grace, it's hard for me to imagine that I could ever be comfortable and have any confidence. But if I go back to the Word and I take Jesus at his word. So verse 3, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. That's what we look like standing before our Heavenly Father. When you go to your Heavenly Father in prayer, I want you to have this vivid imagery in your mind. If Satan tries to accuse you as you approach in your prayers, you rebuke him because you have an advocate who's on your side who's already rebuking him. Do not let him plant that lie, that lying image in your mind that your Heavenly Father may be tired of you or irritated with you or rolling his eyes at you or frustrated with you. That is a lie. Go back to Zechariah 3, 1, and 1 John 2, 1. And the only reason that any of this could be true is because Jesus is representing us now. I'm not, I'm not approaching the throne of grace with confidence in Sam and self-confidence. I'm approaching it because I take Jesus at his word and I departed. Colossians 1, 21. I facetiously say over and over this is the one lie in the Bible. This is the one lie in the Bible because it can't possibly be true. 
and I'm saying that humorously, but Colossians 1, 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That's true. Verse 22 cannot be true. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. How could that be? Well, it's impossible. It cannot be true. But when I read 1 John 2, 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. It's true because I go back to Zechariah 3 and I see myself a burning stick snatched from the fire like Joshua in filthy clothes. And the angel said to those who were standing beside me, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to me and he says to you, see, I have taken away your sin. I will put fine garments on you so that I am now and you are now holy and blameless in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done for us. So, my friends, let's take Jesus at his word. When Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, let's just believe him. When he says in verse 8, Matthew 7, verse 8, for everyone who asks receives... Let's understand that what he's saying is everyone who asks receives an answer. Everyone who asks receives a response. Everyone who asks can know, as Jesus did when he said, I thank you that you heard me. Now, I know that you always hear me. Let's keep reading. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and, the, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you? If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will your heavenly Father, who is sitting on that throne of grace, with lightning and thunder peeling around him, and elders and hundreds of millions of angels praising him, how much more? Will he give you good gifts to those who ask him, who approach him, who sit in his lap and say, Heavenly Father, I'm here with, a, with all the confidence in the world, not in self, but in what Jesus has done for me, and that you have taken off my filthy clothes and you present me holy and blameless in your sight. My friend, this series on prayer is going to be wonderful. And my number one goal, well, two goals, one is to, instill in you confidence and comfort in approaching your Heavenly Father, and then to eliminate these myths and these misunderstandings that we have. So, let's take Jesus at his word. Let's believe that we have a Heavenly Father who hears everything we're asking and always responds. Everything, every time we ask, we receive an answer. It'll always be the best answer. Ephesians 3.20, immeasurably, abundantly, more than anything you could ever ask. May you learn to pray in this way. I'm Sam Hunter. This is 721 Live. So long. God's peace to you. I hope to see you next Friday.